Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello. How enrapturing it is to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got quite the item to show you. This may seem like something ordinary and mundane. If you'll take a look over here, uh, we've tucked this away in the corner because it is, in fact, quite dangerous. Now, on the surface, it may look like an old vintage steamer trunk, but if you look inside, which we will not even crack the lid even the slightest little bit because, like I said, the dangers that lie within could be catastrophic. But what lies within? Well, what is so dangerous? Well, secrets are what lie within this steamer trunk, and that is the center of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the Shudder original film, What Josiah Saw. So What Josiah Saw is a film that was actually filmed in 2021, but it's just now made its uh, release on Shudder. And this is a film that's made the festival circuits. It's been out there. It's been talked about a little bit, but it's a, a film that really didn't get a big release. So Shudder got it and released it, has been distributing it, and it was a film that it came out, I believe, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago at the very least. And it was something when I read the description of it, I was like, ah, do I want to watch that? Family Secrets, Haunted, whatever. Uh, it just seemed like it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. And I'm like, uh, I'll watch it when I get to it. Well, the other night, I was I was sitting at home alone. Our county fair is going on, and I'm not much of a fair person. Uh, I might make one trip out there. My wife, on the other hand, would go out to the, the county fair uh, every day of the week that this goes on in our neck of the woods, but she took her mother out to it, so I got to stay home and watch something that, that I wanted to watch. I got my pick of the litter, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot because I've heard a lot of really mixed reviews on what Josiah saw. Either people really love this movie or they really don't love this movie. And it had a really strong cast, which we'll get into and talk about. So I thought, you know, I'm going to give this a shot because I, I hate when I see people gushing over something that it really isn't that great or crapping on something that is a lot better than they're giving it credit for. So I'm very much of the mindset. Uh, that's why I always tell you, don't take my word for it. Go watch it for yourself. Whether I give something a good review, a bad review, meh review, uh, go see it for yourself and see what you think. Uh, granted, if you listen to my podcast, you probably have a lot of spoilers, so you know pretty much what's going on. But still, if you're like me, ah, spoilers never ruined anything for me, except for that time uh, Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall ruined The Sixth Sense for me. Still haven't gotten over that. So there are a couple really big spoilers to this movie, and I am going to talk about those because you know I can't talk about a movie. I can't review a movie, tell you my thoughts about it if I can't talk about what happens in the movie. 
Maybe if I were a better reviewer or a better podcaster, I might be able to, but I like being able to talk about things free and unfettered from the strictures of anything like spoilers. So there are a couple big spoilers that we are going to talk about towards the end of the podcast. I will kind of save those for the end. So for the most part, I'm going to try to be as unspoilery as I can up until that point, but there are going to be some spoils. So if you know, uh, venture on at your own risk. If you want to watch it first, uh, go check out what Josiah saw. I think it's worth a watch. It's a long movie. It's it's right about two hours, and I've seen a lot of reviewers and a lot of critics talking about how it's just too long. And sure, they could have trimmed some of the fat. There are some scenes that kind of drag on a little longer than they need to. They probably could have cut this down a little bit. But really, I spent the whole time, anytime I started to think, oh, this is, you know, how, how far along are we in this? How much more do I have to go? I quickly get reminded from the story that I'm watching that there are so many questions that I have had unanswered to this point in the movie, whatever point that may be. And that really kept me pushing forward with this. So yeah, it's a two hour runtime. It, it, I mean, it feels every bit of two hours. I'm not going to say it breezes through or it, it feels shorter than it really is, but you, you have so many questions. They build up such tension with this that you just have to see it through to the end. And with the twist they bring at the end, I, I think it's worth it. So if you haven't watched it, you want to check it out before you listen to me blather on with my stream of consciousness ramblings about what Josiah saw, uh, then go watch it. If not, we're going to we're gonna press forward. Now, this is very much in every way, shape, and form a southern gothic horror story. And that's one of the other things I heard a lot of people talking about is, oh, I, I don't think this is horror. It's not horror. This isn't scary. I, you know, what people find scary is subjective. What I find scary now isn't what I thought was scary 10, 20, 30 years ago when I was a teenager, when I was a little kid growing up. A lot of things scared me then. Now, not so much scares me. So it really takes something to, to put a chill down my spine. Maybe I've desensitized myself to, to a horror from watching so much of it. But I can still appreciate when something does put a little chill down my spine or puts a knot in my stomach or makes me kind of sit up a little straighter because, you know, I, I don't know what's going on and I'm, I'm a little nervous, a little apprehensive about what's coming up next. Uh, I have to appreciate that. And this had some of those moments. Was it, you know, monsters jumping out of closets? No, it wasn't that, but it wasn't that story. It was never going to be that story. I think some people get caught up in their own personal preferences for what kind of horror they like. Uh, I only like the gory stuff. I only like ghost stories. I only like monsters. I only like big special effects. I only like uh, serial killers that are very human. Uh, you know, everybody's got their own preferences. But if you're going to review movies, I think you, you got to be able to put your personal preferences aside and give things their proper due and and be a little more open-minded as to what horror is. Now, is, is this straight-up horror? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, is it a thriller? I think it probably falls somewhere in between. Like I said, this is, this is gothic horror, and gothic horror always deal with hauntings or ghosts of the past, and that's what this movie really deals with. The ghosts of the past, the sins of the past, the sins of the father, and buried secrets another big 
trope in Southern Gothic or Gothic, you know, movies in general. So right off the bat, we find out that this movie is going to be done in sections. And they treat this movie kind of almost like an anthology. We get three separate stories about the three separate children in this movie. And then all three of those stories kind of merge together to the big final conclusion, which almost feels like a fourth story, but it ties up the through line of this, which is this uh, farm that this, this family has had and these oil barons want to come and buy it from them. And that's what kind of draws everybody home. Now we meet who's already at home when we meet Josiah, played by Robert Patrick. Josiah Graham is the patriarch of this family. He is a hard man, a terse man, a domineering man. And we meet his son, Thomas Graham, played by Scott Hayes. If you remember, uh, Scott Hayes played the Frank Weaver character, the father, in Antlers. And I just loved his performance in that. So I was really excited to see him in this. And actually, uh, (laughs) these two movies, he did this about the time he did Antlers. So I was really happy to see him in this. Uh, We see him, Tommy, is kind of a a simple-minded young man. He's very timid. He's very childlike in some regards, but very much aware of what people think of him in the world. And we see this dynamic between Josiah and Thomas, how, you know, Josiah essentially spends all day getting drunk and Thomas really spends his whole day catering to Josiah until one night Josiah wakes up and he's seen the light. He's not a man of God, not a believer in God. He even mocks Thomas for for wanting to pray before a meal. But he saw his wife. Now, the this whole movie, there's the specter of this wife, Miriam, who had killed herself many years back. We see scenes where Thomas is standing at the window at night trying to, to watch outside and see her ghost. But Josiah has this vision. His wife Miriam has come to him in the middle of the night and that she is burning in hell. And she's burning in hell because of the sins of their family. And that Josiah and Thomas have to make things right. And to start doing that, they have to get the house in order. You know, fix things that are in disrepair, clean things up, make things nice and presentable. And you're wondering why this whole time, why are they doing this? We see this montage of Thomas out doing this work. We see this uh, beautiful shot. It's a silhouette of him digging digging something with the orange glow of sunset and the trees silhouetted against the skyline as well. It's just, you know, uh, it really was one of the the beautiful shots in so many beautiful shots in this. This was a, a very haunting and very atmospheric, very moody movie. And the cinematography had a, a great deal to do with that. And we'll, we'll kind of talk about the cinematographer and the look of this movie a little bit later. But Robert Patrick as Josiah Graham, he's, he does such a fantastic job with this. And he's an actor that I've just... I've loved everything he's been in from from watching him back in T2 
to Fire in the Sky, to his time on the X-Files. Uh, he most recently did a, a little bit part, did a character on The Walking Dead. He's been doing a lot of horror and genre stuff throughout his whole career, but a lot more recently. And he plays this part so well. He is so cold and hard. And he's the kind of actor that just can convey so much with just a look. Uh, such a stern nature with just a look at at whoever he's playing against in in a scene and i have to imagine he's probably an actor that really gives a lot it gives a an award-winning performance when the camera's not even on him just so that the other actor has something to play off of he just seems like that sort of giving an actor and to, to see him in this just the the his hair kind of standing up he looked frightful just his presence was was scary enough i mean i can see why there was a a scene where these oil barons are, are talking to the police uh talking to the sheriff uh trying to get his help in getting some of these people to sell and the sheriff tells the story of what happened to uh, miriam graham josiah's wife and how she killed herself and he talks about uh, josiah as as being a hard and cold man and and robert patrick just played every bit of that to the to the T. And Scott Hayes uh, as as Thomas did a fantastic job. He really you really believed that he was the simple minded young man. You believed that he had a, uh, an innocence about him that you know if he did anything wrong it, it wasn't because uh, it was malicious. He just didn't know any better. But uh, there's a, a scene where he runs into a little kid at a uh, like a little five and dime store, I'm guessing. And the mother quickly whisks the kid away. And you're wondering what happened there. He keeps telling his dad that that kid is his best friend. And you're, you're wondering what's going on there. And it's one of the mysteries that you, you have presented to you. You don't know what's going on. You know something's up. You don't know whether it's malicious. You don't know whether uh, something inappropriate happened or it's just an older guy uh, who is has a simple mind, like a like a child's mind, uh, thinks this little kid is his friend, and the mother is weird about it. You just you don't know because it doesn't really give you anything other than that, and just sits it out in front of you and says, "Okay, we're going to go talk about this other sibling," which they do. In the second story, we get the uh, story of Eli. He's one of the two older siblings in the Graham household. I believe they're twins, Eli and Mary. But Eli is referred to as a druggie, a whoremonger, a gambler, and he is all of these things. He's kind of living out in the middle of nowhere, and they really play a lot on isolation with these characters. Uh, Josiah and Thomas are on this farmhouse on the outskirts of town, isolated out in the middle of nowhere. Eli has this camper out in the middle of nowhere in Texas. We find out he's got a statutory rape charge against him. He swears he didn't know she was 16. Um, we find out that he has a huge gambling debt. And his story really revolves around him trying to work off this debt to this guy Boone, played by uh, Jake Weber, who does a fantastic job. Ronnie Blevins plays Billy. He's another fantastic actor who does a fantastic job in this. Uh, Boone decides that to, to help pay off his, his debt and, you know, he can use his connections for all the uh, police that he's paid off to wipe Eli's record clean. He has to help Billy and this other guy go steal some gold from these gypsies. 
Now, I know it's, you know, the cool kids these days find that problematic and they like to romanticize any uh, nationality or peoples that uh, seem marginalized and make it seem like, you know, any stereotype about them is obviously not true and probably racist. But, you know, most people's don't live in either black and white. They live in the gray area. Not everyone who's had bad things said about them or had unfair caricature stereotypes perpetrated against them are above reproach. You know, everybody has the capacity for good and bad. Uh, doesn't matter your nationality, color of your skin, or the religion that you practice. Not everybody that is of a Romani descent is what is typically called a gypsy. And gypsy is also a term for transient people, nomadic and free-spirited people, which, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't of Romani descent that you could call gypsies and have been called gypsies. But Eli, Billy, and this other character go and they get involved with these Romani at this traveling carnival. And it, it really played out like a, it felt kind of like a Quentin Tarantino like a scene from a Quentin Tarantino movie, just with all the the bad dealings and bad people and drugs and shit going sideways. It really felt like it was out of a Quentin Tarantino movie, only everything was told in the proper linear storytelling mode. But Eli is along for the ride, and he finds that this girl, this little girl that he's been accused of kidnapping, because she's gone missing in the area where he's he's at at this moment, he finds that she was kidnapped by these Romani. Things go sideways. He gets out of this and and takes this little girl uh, back to the police, back to the the town, and he's essentially told to get out of there. He goes back to his cabin or his little trailer and sees the papers from the oil company and realizes he has to go. Uh, selling the family farm to this oil company will get him the money he needs to get him out of some trouble. Now, like I said, uh, there's going to be a lot of, especially the younger generations, are going to have a lot of problems with this story, especially as it, it pertains to the gypsies and the portrayal of them. But like I said, you know, it, that's not to say that people should be thought of as their stereotypes, but sometimes stereotypes are a stereotype because that sort of shit has happened. Unfortunately, we as a society always focus on the negative and that's how bad stereotypes kind of come to the forefront and, uh, and unfairly characterize a people. But it's quite naive to pretend that anybody that has been characterized as a gypsy, whether they're Romani descent or, or any other descent, to say that anybody that's been described as a gypsy hasn't done some shady shit, uh, that's just, that's naive. Take off the rose-colored glasses and just sit back and enjoy the story for what it is. Because I think that really plays into the greater theme of this movie, which we'll kind of talk about uh, a little bit later on in the podcast. But my soapboxing and grandstanding aside, uh, this is all about Eli. And of course, Eli is played by Nick Stahl, another Terminator alumnus from Terminator 3. And he's done he's done tons of stuff since then. Uh, it's always interesting to see him show up in things because I think he's a really good actor. And he, you know, acted his nuts off in this. He played the kind of character that is down and out, makes a lot of horrible decisions, makes a lot of self-destructive decisions. But at the heart of it, he's not a 
He's not a bad guy. Like he could have easily left this little girl who's been kidnapped by this group of people, but he he went out of his way to protect her and to to get her out of there and get her to safety. Um, kind of almost one redeeming thing he did before before the end of this whole thing. The third part of the story, we get to meet uh, Mary, Mary Milner, uh, played by Kelly Garner, and another actress that I've enjoyed what little I've seen of her. Uh, and she did a spectacular job in this. I can't remember. She reminds me of some other actress, and I can't think of who it is. I don't know if it's Charlize Theron or whatever, but just facially, uh, she looks uh, like somebody, and I can't put my finger on it, but uh, she's done a ton of other things. She was in Horns, and she's done some other things, but she plays Mary, who is living the suburban life. She's doing a little better off than Eli or Thomas and Josiah. She's living out in the suburbs with her husband, Ross, played by Tony Hale, which I did not even recognize him. I'm so used to him as Buster on Arrested Development and and doing comedy and just the look from that show. And he just looks so different in this, but he, you know, he did a good job for, for what little he had in this movie. He did a spectacular job, but they're this married couple They've gone through through some difficult times. Uh, they want to adopt, but Mary has some some PTSD going on. She's just very paranoid. Uh, she thinks that everybody's after her or plotting on her. She gets triggered at the grocery store and just leaves her groceries and doesn't get the groceries she's supposed to get. She exercises compulsively, uh, a lot of coping me- mechanisms, uh, you know, and things like that uh, when it comes to PTSD. And we get to see their story about uh, them trying to adopt and more, more so Mary trying to adopt. She talks about how she has a, a hole inside of her and she knows that it'll never be filled, but she also has a lot of love to give. And she just wants to be able to give love to, to something. And probably, I don't know, uh, it, it works in the end, so to speak. But uh, I don't know as if uh, her actions and her mannerisms when she's telling the caseworker about this would... Uh, make anybody want to give her a child she's she comes across as very disturbed and very traumatized and she comes across as if she's not really dealing with that trauma in constructive ways but we find out uh, she gets home uh, one evening and finds that Eli is there she's not very happy that he's there but he's there to tell her that they need to go and speak with Thomas about selling the farm so they can uh, get paid and he can get out of some of the troubles he's in and at first she's not on board with that but then all of a sudden she changes her mind and they go back home and one of the things I really loved about the uh, Kelly Garner performance is that she played such a, like I said, a very manic person, a very disturbed person, but there was also this sense of sadness about her and it really played, it made you feel empathy, much like the Eli character. You felt empathetic. I mean, this guy is very self-destructive, does a lot of things, a lot of self-destructive things and gets himself into situations by drugging and whoring and gambling. But you, you can see he's not a bad guy. He doesn't seem like a bad guy. And you, and you feel sorry for him, uh, especially when he does the good thing and, and rescues this this little kidnapped girl. You know, you, you feel empathy for him. And, and Mary's the same way. As, as much as she's got some shit she's 
uh, processing and, and she's going through and, and dealing with and has been obviously for for quite some time you feel sorry for her you know you just want her to be able to catch a break you want her to be able to to get this child that she's trying to adopt and and maybe that'll maybe that'll help things maybe that'll help her and and Kelly Garner just really does a fantastic job of playing that that manic, traumatized nature of her character, but also giving you a reason to empathize with her. Because, you know, when you first meet her, she doesn't come across as very likable. She's very confrontational and she's it almost feels like her husband, uh, Ross, played by Tony Hale, uh, almost feels like he's afraid of her or he's always constantly walking on eggshells around her. But in spite of all that, she does make you feel, uh, does make you care and does make you hope that things work out. And she's also, I, I don't know if she's a professional photographer, what her career is, but she does photography and she's got these really weird and disturbing photos that she's done. Cause we get a little montage of her taking photos of these three kids with these bags over their heads. It's really bizarre, really weird and kind of plays into, uh, you know, there's some things going on inside of her. She's, she's not as undisturbed as as I think she hopes everyone sees her as. And all three of these kids really, you can see how they're different products of the same implied abuse because the Josiah character does come across as uh, the potential for, for a lot of abuse. I mean, he's very mentally abusing and domineering towards Thomas. And there's this, this really weird and uncomfortable scene uh, in the bedroom with Josiah and Thomas. And uh, another testament to Scott Hayes' performance after uh, Josiah catches Thomas with uh, nudie magazines underneath his bed. That scene is very uncomfortable and very disturbing and very abusive. And, and it spoke to, to Thomas's uh, abuse and the performance that Scott Hayes gave during that whole scene. Uh, but let alone the very end, his reaction to, to it all after it's said and done is just heart-wrenching, heartbreaking, and just such a phenomenal performance from Scott Hayes. I mean, he's one of my all-stars of this film because he just had such a, to me, this is the, you know, he does, he's done good work up until now, but this really, to me, felt like a, a breakout performance for him. Now, Nick Stahl and uh, Kelly Garner uh, do fantastic jobs in their own right. And, and we see Eli and Mary and the product of the abuse they must have gone through. We don't know exactly what it is. We can only imagine, but uh, we're going to find out to some degrees uh, as we head into kind of the third act of the movie. Now, like I said, I, I, I've given some spoilers. Uh, I try not to go into too much detail so that if you go and watch this, you're not going to, uh, you know, I didn't break down every scene. I didn't break down every line of dialogue, but uh, I did spoil some things. Uh, but I think if you go back and watch uh, what Josiah saw, if you haven't watched it yet, that uh, you'll find out that, you know, there's a lot more. Uh, of the in-between stuff that I didn't talk about and, and you'll still be able to enjoy it. Now, this is the part where I'm going to get really spoilery because we're coming up on the end uh, and I'm going to talk about the revelations that we, we get, these big secrets, these big family secrets that have been tormenting this family uh, for so long. So, you know, if you really don't want to get anything spoiled for you, I'm telling you, stop here, 
go watch it, come back and listen to the rest of this. But uh, as of right now, I'm on with the spoilers. So this is where we get the final uh, chapter of this story. And this is where all three characters meet up. Eli, Mary, and Thomas uh, meet at the Graham farm. And while you expect there to be some tensions, it's actually a very warm and open uh, meeting of these three characters that haven't seen each other in what could possibly be close to, you know, 10, 15, maybe even 20 years. Then things start to move pretty quick towards the climax because you have Josiah talking with Thomas. You have Eli and Mary. They have a little uh, powwow outside and they, they talk about this scene that you see just before they get to the house where she pulls up to the motel where Eli is staying and... We don't see anything past that. And then they're outside at the Graham farm. And she says she waited outside uh, for 20 minutes before she, she came in, came into his motel room. But at least she came. And it, it seems odd, but you don't think anything of it. Inside, you're hearing Josiah talking to Thomas saying, that's that's why your mother's burning. It's their sin. And and he implies that there's some like flowers in the attic, brother-sister uh, incest going on between those two. And when Mary and Eli come in, they sit down with Thomas and Josiah, and they're going to talk this out. And Thomas starts making accusations towards uh, Mary and Eli about their alleged relationship and then we get a lot of revelations all at once first we find out that josiah has been dead for 23 years so the josiah we've seen is either a ghost haunting thomas or thomas is not right in the head and this is just a figment of his imagination that is that is pushing him and and domineering him maybe a part of his subconscious a part of his psyche that you know maybe a split personality sort of thing that but this this father his this Josiah figure in his head is constantly uh, domineering him and dominating him and, and pushing him and now I really loved this revelation and there were a lot of red herrings to make you think that Josiah was an actual character but to, to find out that he was dead this whole time and and i do think this was just a figure of thomas's imagination this is a part of thomas's psyche and the guilt of all the things that are revealed later that has kind of manifested itself in the form of this domineering father figure and uh, the only thing i didn't like about the reveal is that it was done so nonchalant i mean this is a big reveal and didn't feel like there was any big music swell or some big dun 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 moment uh it was just like I said, done very nonchalant. And matter of fact, dad's been dead for 23 years. And are you crazy? So we find out that Josiah's been dead. We find out the woman, the little child that uh, Thomas has been following. That's his ex-wife and that's their child. And there's a restraining order against him. We also get the revelation that Josiah abused Thomas by burning his ear and he would beat Eli with a belt and that it wasn't Eli and Mary who had a relationship that resulted in a, a baby that they, I don't know whether it's implied that they killed it, but Eli insists that is it was Josiah that raped 
Mary and it was his baby that they got rid of and then they killed Josiah. The three children got together and made a decision to kill Josiah. Thomas also accuses them, their relationship, uh, Eli and Mary's relationship being the reason why their mother killed herself. And Eli says that no, it was when she found out that Josiah raped Mary and impregnated her. That's when the mother killed herself. And as Eli and Mary are about to leave, they open up the steamer trunk that we saw Thomas bring downstairs earlier in the movie when he's doing his big cleanup. And we find that he's dug up Josiah and Mary's baby. And I mean that the two separate bodies because they buried both bodies on the land. Eli tried to find them earlier and they weren't there, but but they find that both of these bodies are in this steamer trunk and Mary, you know, she starts to cry. Why? Why is he doing this? And then all of a sudden Thomas goes Stanley Kubrick, Jack Torrance on everyone with an axe, uh, kills Eli chases down Mary. She has this weird vision and ends up uh, waking up to find out that Thomas is stabbing her and she dies. And as she dies, we get one more big revelation as we get that little in-between scene where Mary shows up at Eli's motel room. And then we go inside the motel and Mary and Eli are having sex. So it, it really complicates things as to what actually happened. Because at this point, no one is a reliable narrator. Josiah is a figment of somebody's imagination. Thomas is batshit crazy. Eli definitely was lying about what was actually going on, at least for part of it. And, and Mary's got some some issues of her own. So nobody's a nobody is a reliable narrator at this point. And, and there are a lot of clues that probably should have led you to that earlier. But at this point, you realize you should have believed nobody. And it also raises a lot of questions. What happened? Did Eli and Mary have a brother-sister relationship because she was being raped by her father? Did that drive that them to that somehow? Did the father even rape Mary? Or was that just a lie they told Thomas to cover up their relationship? Or was it both? Uh, yeah, I just, you know, there's, there's a lot, it's still a lot of questions, but it really pays off the whole idea of this movie. And I think the whole theme of this movie is one secrets, family secrets. But I think even more than that, I think it it speaks to the destruction of the hidden darkness inside of us all. Because there is nobody in this movie, except for maybe the little girl that Eli rescued, but there is nobody in this movie that is innocent. Josiah certainly wasn't innocent. He was a hard and unforgiving man and an abuser. Uh, whether it's physical, whether it's sexual, he was an abuser. Eli and Mary's relationship, they killed this baby that she had, whether it was a baby out of forced or consensual incest. You know, there's darkness upon darkness there. Thomas, who who comes across as innocent, has mental problems. 
problems. There was a reason why his wife divorced him. And there was a reason why she had a restraining order against him. And he had mental problems that led him to murder his two siblings. The people that Eli dealt with, uh, Boone and Billy, all had their darknesses. Boone was essentially a bookie and... and and dealt in gambling and and drugs and when even even the romani the gypsies that they go to they're not going to see these people for a nice cream social uh, there's a lot of drugs there there's a kidnapped girl there's going to be murder and yeah i i know that a lot of people or especially some of the younger generations are still going to find that all problematic well everybody every race every nationality every religion has good people and has its bad people and in this world in this story there are no good people there's people that have the potential for good but it's people who chose to do the wrong things in their life and they are paying for those wrong things for those misdeeds uh, the wages of sin is death uh, to quote the bible and there's a lot of biblical reference all throughout this movie and so that really i think was the point of all this is that there were no good guys in this everybody had a darkness and essentially everybody with a darkness in them got their comeuppance now this movie was directed by vincent grishaw and written by robert allen diltz now robert allen diltz i believe this is his first uh, you know uh full-length feature screenplay that he's had adapted and he did a fantastic job vincent grishaw i think he is phenomenal he's this is only his third major motion picture his first full-length film that he's directed but again like i've said uh, about so many directors that i've really been exposed to through a lot of these shutter originals is that i'm really excited to see more from the future because i really like this i knew he's had a, a couple movies he's directed uh, the one just before this believe was 2017's and then i go interested to check that out i know that was the film that robert patrick watched to, to get a sense of what uh vincent grishaw was as a director and really kind of hooked him and made him think you know i want to be a part of this this film and as a duo robert allen diltz and vincent grishaw as the writer and director i thought both these two combined just really hit a home run I think this movie, just from a from a story standpoint, was interesting. It was raw. It was unnerving. It was captivating in a very brutal and unrelenting way. Vincent Grishaw, for, for taking a movie that was two hours long and really keeping you kind of glued by the mystery of it all, I think was, uh, was a great feat on his part. Carlos Ritter did the cinematography and just fantastic. I mean, this movie looked haunted and just the lighting and the color palette was a lot of grays and browns and some greens a very muddy color palette it really kind of reflected the muddy souls of these people the muddy dirty secrets that lie underneath the the belly of this beast and the music was fantastic i'm not going to try to pronounce this guy's name uh, uh well no i guess i am going to try to pronounce Pronounce it, Robert Pisior. I'm I'm probably butchering that, and I apologize because the music in this was so haunting and sometimes just the scares came from the music itself. There weren't any jump scares, there weren't any really cheap scares. All the scares came from the look, 
the sound, the music being played, the swells and the the valleys and the actors themselves, especially somebody like Robert Patrick, who was haunting. I mean, because he was a figment of somebody's imagination or maybe even a ghost. Uh, I'm still not quite sure yet. And I suppose that uh, all is left to be uh, determined by whoever happens to be watching this. But uh, but I think maybe a figment of the imagination, but kind of lent itself to a ghost with that shock of hair that he had st- almost standing straight up at times but this movie had a lot of creepy elements to it and a lot of times where things just kind of you know the hair on the back of my neck bristled up and that was like i said not cheap jump scares or anything like that it was all in the look the feel the vibe the sound the acting of those scenes it was the most natural scares uh one could imagine and it was just you know there weren't a ton of scares but you had this unnerved feeling throughout this whole thing that just made it creepy and tense and really that tension and the mystery of what the hell's going on here uh, what the fuck am i watching uh it kept me going for the whole two hours and kept me engaged for the whole two hours now i know a lot of people bitch and moan about this movie because one is too long other it's not scary enough there's a lot of people that did not like the subject matter it dealt a lot with incest and i think you know well i don't want to watch movies about that it's disgusting but i think that's the whole point of this movie this movie is a disgusting movie this movie is about disgusting people who keep disgusting secrets and are, are have dirty and dark souls even even the ones that try to do good like like Eli tried to help that girl, how Mary wants to adopt a child so she can give somebody love. Uh, She's still got that, you know, they've still got that darkness in them. And also some people just need to grow the F up. This movie is a very raw, this movie is very bold in the places it's willing to go to unnerve you and incest is one of those taboo subjects that people don't want to talk about and and that plays into the whole thing of of these dark secrets that that these people are are trying to keep and this family's trying to keep buried that just keep wanting to rise to the surface in this they rise to the surface in a very destructive and murderous way I, i don't know if i would call this transgressive horror but but i think if if it's not it's kind of teetering on that and i I get why uh that makes some people uncomfortable uh it it is an uncomfortable thing to watch i know we've got a lot of people out there with very puritanical sensibilities and don't like to have their eyes and their good souls sullied by such stories of illicit behavior which like i said the behavior is not to be commended the behavior is disgusting but that is the point of this movie the storyteller has told you a raw in your face brash story that is supposed to make you feel uncomfortable it's supposed to unnerve you it's supposed to make you feel dirty and want to go take a shower after it's all said and done and that is exactly what they did so you know subject matter aside i i didn't enjoy that but i don't think i was supposed to i don't think you were supposed to so Subject matter aside, this really was a fantastic film to pick apart and dive into the psyche of it. Uh, If you like to unpack a lot of things in a movie, there's plenty to unpack here. Other than that, it was a 
a visually a fantastic film to watch. It was sonically uh, through the score. It was a, a fantastic film to watch. The the acting just could not have been better. Uh, Robert Patrick, Nick Stahl, Scott Hayes, Kelly Garner were just phenomenal in this. I challenge anybody to say otherwise. Is it a film I want to watch again? No, not really. Because like I said, it is that that seediness and that uh, that dirty feeling you have after watching it. I don't I don't want to go through that again, but I, I'm glad I did watch. And I think you'll be glad you watched it as well. It's not traditional horror. Like I said, this is very much a Southern Gothic horror. It's about ghosts. It's about secrets. It's about uh, dirty, dark secrets that, that get unearthed, much like a, a rotting corpse. So keep that in mind when you watch this. But I, I think... If you like movies with a lot of psychological stuff to unpack and movies with a lot of atmosphere and creepy vibes, this is going to be a movie you're going to want to watch. So there you have it. Those are my thoughts on what Josiah saw. Hopefully you enjoyed it. I can understand if you did. If it's not your cup of tea, this movie is probably not everyone's cup of tea, but but I, I did enjoy it for what it was, and hopefully you enjoyed it uh, as much as well. And if you haven't watched it yet, go check it out. Uh, like I said, I probably spoiled everything for you, but you obviously don't mind or you would have turned this off and, and went and watched it a long time ago. So I want to thank everyone for listening. You can check out our Facebook page, Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on Facebook for trailers to the latest movies and series coming out. We're always adding our thoughts and comments when we share different articles from horror, fantasy, and sci-fi from all over the internet. And no matter where you're listening to this podcast, please leave a review. Five stars would be awesome. And of course, be sure to subscribe, follow, download, share the podcast with anyone you know that enjoys horror, fantasy, and science fiction. We greatly would appreciate that. Thank you for getting the word out. And until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!